Welcome to the Practical Tax Talk podcast. I'm your host, Lovey Edwards, and today I'm bringing you part two of our conversation about virtual currency, specifically cryptocurrency. I'm so glad you're here. Let's jump right in. Part one of our discussion about cryptocurrency and taxes started with the question that appeared for the first time on the 2019 tax return, which is, at any time during the tax year, did you receive, sell, send, exchange, or otherwise acquire any financial interest in any virtual currency? A response of yes to this question usually means you've triggered a taxable event from your virtual currency transactions that must be reported on your tax return. You may recall from part one of our discussion that virtual currency is a digital representation of value. Virtual currency can be accessed digitally. You can spend it in a variety of places on a variety of things. So virtual currency operates like real currency, but it does not have any legal tender status in the United States. Now, for tax purposes, we are referring to convertible virtual currencies, which means they can be converted in and out of U.S. dollars. Non-convertible virtual currencies, such as those that are purchased to play games on your phone, computer, or gaming console, can only be used within that gaming system and can't be converted back or out to U.S. dollars. These non-convertible virtual currencies are not the subject of our discussion. Cryptocurrency is a type of virtual currency. It uses cryptography to record secure transactions digitally on a distributed ledger such as blockchain. Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, and Ripple are popular types of cryptocurrencies. The use case for crypto has expanded and evolved to an ecosystem since Bitcoin was first launched in 2009. Entering that ecosystem may feel like jumping into a game of double dutch jump rope. I'm sure you've seen double dutch jump rope. There are two long jump ropes. Two persons serving as rope turners stand across from one another. Each rope turner holds an end of the jump rope in one hand and the end of the other rope in their other hand. They turn the rope in opposite directions. As a jumper, how do you know when to jump in? And once you're in, how do you keep jumping without stepping on and stopping the ropes from turning? Well, one of the things that can help is education. Learning about cryptocurrency is one step in the crypto journey. To that end, here's part two, the remainder of the conversation with John Wingate, CEO of Bank Social. Today, we'll discuss the growing popularity of decentralized finance, DeFi, and its impact on banking and financial systems as we know them today. And this is all connected to cryptocurrency. And to end the conversation, John provides tips to help you begin your journey into cryptocurrency. Tell us about your background. So I know you mentioned it just rather briefly, 
And I'd like you to go into your tech background, your retail. And as you were mentioning, your early adoption of cryptocurrency and just your progression into bank social. So, so please tell us more about your background. I'll, I'll be quick on this because I can talk about myself for a long time, but I'll be <laughs> quick. <laughs> so I, I, I've always been into technology since I was a kid. You know, I was, you know, taking computers apart, writing software, Visual Basic, Basic, C plus C very early when I was 10, nine and 10 years old with my brother. My mom bought us computers. We had a friend who his dad was very much into computers and his kids didn't really like computers. And so I did, me and my brother did. So he spent a lot of time with us teaching us when we were very, very young. And so we, um, me specifically went, you know, all the way through college, got a degree in, you know, computer related stuff, and then went into right out of college, went into a company that focused on third-party logistics for retailers. And what we did was we built warehousing solutions, you know, web processes, point of sale processes, point of sale software. But towards the end of my time there, we were building what we were calling omni-channel, which really brought the entire ecosystem of both retail B2B and retail B2C, you know, from the point of sale, ship to store, ship from store, ship from warehouses. So all of that software, we were integrating with all different types of Oracle products and and Microsoft products. I mean, really all all different types of products. And Mm -hmm. so I managed you know, several hundred developers there and and just kind of grew through the ranks there. And then that company got bought out and I went into my first kind of what I would call entrepreneurial, you know, um, soiree into entrepreneurship. And so I did, uh, I did a couple companies, you know, started with technology, sold a company there. And then I, I did a couple more hands-on things where, you know, real estate trying to evolve the technology and real estate. Unfortunately, with real estate, there's just a big lobby, which I think we'll talk about lobbying here in a minute, but there's a big lobby keeping technology suppressed or, or rather, you know, picking how the technology gets evaluated and furthered in that, in that space. And really, I'm more of a tech person anyway. I, I built homes for a while and did all that kind of stuff, you know, bringing, evolving. We did steel framed homes that were built by machines and cut by machines. So some very interesting technology there, but I've always had blockchain as a, for the last 11 years, kind of, I told you about my story of very early on buying Bitcoins, Mm -hmm. then mining Bitcoins. I actually, for a while, I figured out how to uh, spin up free Google instances early in the early days. And I would spin up a hundred Google instances at night when it was free to use Google instances. And I would mine Bitcoins for free on just, so I set up APIs and all this kind of stuff to mine. I, I spent those Bitcoins unwisely, so I don't want to talk about it too much. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> but, you know, just recently, like I was saying, when I heard from my mom that she wanted to get you know, buy Dogecoin, I really started looking at the space and saying, where is there, where's there a need right now? And at the core, at the core of what crypto is, is it's a financial evolution, right? So I do see that we will have, you know, I can envision a, a world where, you know, someone like you gets a list of wallets, 
and you just have a software, you plug it all in there and you'll still have to, you know, do all your categorizing and, and classifying of, you know, expenditures. And you'll still have to do, you know, tax, you know, reporting and, and, you know, all the data that's required and forms to be filled, but there will be a, an evolution of, you'll not have to go and download from this bank account differently from this bank account differently, and then try to do this, you know, really difficult mm-hmm. reconciliation. So I see a future in where all that it starts to seamlessly bridge, but there really needs to be trust built into the system. And right now it's fairly trustless. We love the sovereignty of being able to need to sign up and do, do all these things. But I personally don't like the, the lack of security in the space and, and the free will at which it just kind of, and so we need to have people, you know, for people to make that jump, they need to feel secure. And, 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 you know, you can still have decentralization where the people win. Right. So Mm -hmm. for example, you know, Chase Bank, for them to be able to compete with something like Bank Social, they would have to shut down hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of locations that really at this day and age probably aren't needed. You probably don't need as many locations and people uh, sitting in offices, but, you know, for the people to win, like you're only, the motivation was your only incentive right now to go deposit money into Chase Bank is that it's secure. <laughs> right. And so I think, I think kind of clarify a couple of things. Tell us the difference between a regular financial institution, Coinbase and bank social as it relates to, you know, crypto or just doing banking in general. So yeah, so a centralized bank like a you know Wells Fargo or or Chase Bank, they're really they're there as a protection mechanism is really the only thing. You know, people feel secure, they take their money in, but technically when you take your money and you put it into a bank, it's not your money anymore. They they write you an IOU that says you can come draw upon that money whenever you want, right? It's an open-ended IOU for as much as you deposit. But the the actual ruling there is that it's their money and they right. can they can use it as they want. Okay. And and that's the that's how they can do fractional banking and they can lend it out. And and so they're the ones that win from that. With a decentralized model and and switching to fintech that doesn't need as much central governance and centralized authority maintaining it, you can really start to put the people at the forefront of the benefactors of the system. And so what do we mean by that? We mean systems wherein um, loans that, you know, if your money's in there and it's providing a loan anyway, in the current banking system, you're not really getting any benefit except for security. The security already exists on the blockchain. It's already there. So as long as you're trusting the authority who's maintaining the, the veil that's over that blockchain, then why not allow for the people to benefit from loans that are giving out? Why not allow the people to benefit from the the systems that are in place? So if if you loan somebody, if three people get together, four people or 15 people and loan somebody on a house because they have the money to keep in the bank, why not let those people get the interest back from the loans out to that Mm -hmm. bank? And these are the types of systems, while Coinbase necessarily isn't going into that, they're more so working to be a, an exchange for cryptos where you can exchange one crypto for another or fiat money for a crypto. 
bank social is really aiming to supplant the existing financial systems with an evolution for the people. So, you know, we really believe that this, what I'm calling socialized capitalism, I think I've coined that term at this point, but, you know, in this new social capitalistic model, and I'm not talking about socialism, I'm definitely not talking about socialism. I think that capitalism is a, is a good mechanism. It's just not a good mechanism when it all flows up. It's a good mechanism when everybody gets to benefit off of that distribution of the shared wealth and the shared value that we bring into these systems. And that's where bank social is diverging from the traditional financial model and even the current crypto model that exists with something like Coinbase. Very interesting. Now, you mentioned fiat currency, you know, which in our case would be the U.S. dollar, which is the legal tender here in the U.S. And cryptocurrency is not. So I think in terms of its standing and use, one of the big takeaways from that is that the cryptocurrency is taxed as uh, property in that it's looking at the difference between what you purchased at it at and you know on the day that you sold it or exchanged it what its value was and that difference is taxed as a capital gain not to go into that too much but in terms of being able to get the cryptocurrency more of mainstream like El Salvador is welcoming Bitcoin. What do you think is going to take for that change to happen? Is it more of people getting more confident in its usage or is it a combination of, you know, the, the laws, Congress passing more laws to make it more acceptable? What's your opinion on that? I think that there's a very interesting case right now with XRP Ripple and the SEC. And I think that a lot of this is on pause until that case gets, you know, some type of sets some type of precedence and some type of standing. I think that we probably don't want Congress right now making too many laws until we get some people. So I'm joining the Texas Blockchain Chain. Blockchain Council, shout out to the Texas Blockchain Council. Texas has taken a very progressive approach to cryptocurrencies. And so, you know, our our you know senators and our House of Representatives, representatives in the at the national level, at the federal level, we're doing a lot of engagement with them. And I think the thing that I'm excited about is that at least here in Texas and our representatives, and I'm starting to see it around the country a little bit more is that they understand that they don't know. It's okay to not know something. I don't know a lot of stuff. <laughs> it's okay. That's great. You know, just raise your hand and say, Hey, I don't know. And I want, I want to regulate this and I want to make it you know, fair for everybody, but I need to know more. And I think that's step one is we have to have more, we have to have more senators. We have to have more congressmen, congresswomen stand up and say, I don't understand what's going on. And I, I want to talk to experts who can help bridge the gap of understanding, because I'm not here to say that everything just needs to be legalized across the board. You know, I think that taxing regulation, you know, adherence to policy they definitely need to be part of the frame. They absolutely have to be part of the framework, Mm -hmm. but they have to be done in a manner that looks at the technology, what its capabilities are, because I saw something from a, you know, I'm not going to name names here, but I saw something from, you know, a Senator and a, an official 
at one of the governing bodies of the government for, you know, finance. And they were talking about exchanges and they just didn't know what they were talking about. The, the, the discussion they were having was based in zero fact on how, on how the blockchain works. And that's, and that's the challenge. The danger. Yeah. That's it's the danger. That's a better yes. way to say it. It's dangerous yes. because this is such a empowering, you know, mechanism, not just, for, not just from a, you look at it from the government's perspective. Okay. I'm not a fan of dark money. Okay. Like black money. I'm not a fan of that. Okay. I think that we have to have a system in place that manages the flow of funds that are utilized for bad things. And there's no better system than cryptocurrency that can literally track every solitary cent that's ever been used on it since the beginning. And, and even to the point to where, I don't know if you're aware of a hack that happened. This is, this is a good thing. So I'll, I'll, play it out a little bit. There was a hack that happened about two weeks ago with something called Poly Network. It was $465 million. Okay. The hacker was a white hat hacker. He gave all the money back, but the, and think what would that have ever happened in a, in a banking system? No, that person would be in jail and right. And the banks would have never fixed the problem is the, (laughs) is the other thing. I guarantee that, you know, they would have just put some duct tape over it, but that money was returned in that process though. one very interesting thing happened is that all the exchanges could identify those funds and didn't let him sell, didn't let him use the money. And I have to say, this is an accountant's dream, meaning that all of the transactions are tracked. That's what we as accountants loved. The debits and credits, the ledger, all of that's tracked. And so there is a certain level of anonymity that is lost with blockchain in general. And, you know, the IRS, they know that by asking that question that I mentioned at the beginning is that it takes away that plausible deniability, Mm -hmm. you know, because they're asking that question and you have to either say yes or no on your tax return. If you say no, then, you know, you've basically said I haven't engaged in any of the cryptocurrency transactions, but if you say yes, then you're obligated to, Mm. you know, list all of those transactions and, you know, the IRS knows, you know, what is going on. (laughs) They're going to be able to look at those transactions or see what those transactions are. And maybe not all of them are visible or accessible to them now, but eventually they will be. And the IRS is going to take steps on that. And I know I just digressed, but that was a perfect, that was a perfect sway into that, that topic for, for sure. Yes. And I just want to make sure that, you know, as we are talking about cryptocurrency, that we understand that these transactions are tracked, that they are going to be accessible. And so the best way to manage them is to make sure that we're using the right type of technology or that we're educated on how we need to look at these transactions and that we're just educated about cryptocurrency 
in in general. And I'm going off on a tangent now, so you gotta you gotta stop me and bring me. Bring no, me back you're per- here. you're perfect. <laughs> you're 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 saying the exact right things. And you know, just to expand a little bit on one thing you were saying, the the government has just signed a contract with a company who monitors blockchain transactions. And so they're building this database of blockchain transactions. So again, I could very, very easily just myself, if I wanted to build a tax solution, I could download the entire history of the blockchain and keep it updated on my computer. So I see, you know, companies like, you know, I don't know some of the tax softwares that you use, but you know, those tax software companies, I could very easily see them incorporating a blockchain explorer into their system. And again, you getting two or three wallet addresses from your customers, and then that data being reconciled and spit back to you. It's even, you know, as far as looking a little bit into the future, there's a concept of naming your wallet. So you can name your wallet, you know, johnwingate.eth. And then now everybody knows that that's your wallet. And the cool thing about that is you can start having companies do this. So if you want to have instant classification, you know, when you're going in and you're booking your expenditures and your, your accounts, right? Your book of accounts, you set that up at the software level. So the company who's writing that software sets it up so that Home Depot is just tracked and known. And they're already doing this with American Express does this and several other of these Mm -hmm. softwares do it. But you have that same capacity and capability on the blockchain. And so I think it's going to be very interesting in the next few years, especially for you, you guys, because I think this makes your a lot easier. And I think the government needs to be embracing blockchain, you know, as a, as really a mechanism for providing the transparency they've been looking for for such a long time. I mean, I know that when, you know, 400 billion gets moved around and, and, you know, funds something somewhere, it'd be nice to be able to see where that came from, who it went to, you know, and I think as the people, the people in the government, we want to see that. We want to know that if, you know, if the US government minted, you know, $8 trillion last year, I'd really like to be able to go through and see where that went, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So th- 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 that's where I think the ch- there's, a, there's a knife we're walking on right there because the government, some part, some in the government probably look at this as a good thing, complete visibility and complete, you know, transaction visibility. And then some people look at it as, man, we can't, you know, we can't do this or we can't do that anymore. Not that I think there's, I won't say it go as far as saying there's negative, you know, negative thoughts that they're thinking when they do this, but we, we want to teach the government why this is a good thing. And I think starting with the IRS and taxes is a great way because it really builds that foundational understanding that helps you bridge the gap of, how the existing financial system works and how this new financial system could work. And that's a great point because I think one of my big takeaways from this conversation and just from the little knowledge that I have is that a change is coming and it behooves us to really get on board to understand what this is, cryptocurrency that is, how it can be useful for us and to us as a tool and, you know, what steps we need to take right now to, to get on board with educating um, ourselves. And so I just want to take a step back and ask you to really 
explain or to give us a, a few tips on the best way for us to get started on our journey of cryptocurrency, no matter what coin it is. Sure. So I would say that there are tokens that have been out there for a while that have proven themselves to be secure. So if you're going to jump into crypto right now, there are several wallets out there that you can download anything from Coinbase to Trust Wallet to MetaMask. We got the Bank Social Wallet. Any of those wallets, you want to start there. You want to download those wallets. And when you're purchasing tokens, like for example, there's been a token that came out called Solana. And a lot of people that I know have been really big on it because it's going up in price. Don't just look to come in to make a bunch of money because that's when you, you get... <laughs> you know, you're going to get disappointed potentially, you know, come into the space because you're interested in crypto and you want to be at the forefront of exploring the, the security and safety and, and really the, the transmutability that it provides for, for finance in the future. Come into it with that perspective, only utilize for the time being until you feel extremely comfortable, only utilize those tokens like Bitcoin, Ethereum, Binance smart chain that have been out there for a while that you know have become almost household names in the crypto space and try to avoid jumping into anything that's too new just for the the pure purpose of financial gain unless you're you know risk averse and you're willing to throw a thousand dollars at something that mm -hmm. you don't care about I do advise people to get into crypto and stay with these more mainstreams because the the likelihood that you're going to lose all of your money as well is at this point I think it's been proven that that probably the probability while not zero is is very low that you're going to lose all your money and we do know there are there are um, you know mathematical equations and charts that have been done that show that th these happenings when the the token gets harder to mine for people they they have to switch and buy new uh, servers and new stuff that's the cool thing about this cryptographic blockchain too, is that it gets harder. So that increases value every time it gets harder to mine, it increases value. So there are charts and graphs that you can look at that will show you that the value always increases when that happens. But regardless, staying into those types of deals, again, I would you know, tell you guys not to go buy anything. So I look at three things myself when I tell people you know, in crypto, if you're going to buy something, do it from people that are doxed and out there and that you know who they are and they have a face and a name and they're real people and that you can verify. Don't just go buy something because somebody told you, hey, it might make you $10,000 tomorrow. Put you know $1,000 in here. Don't do that. Rule number one. <laughs> Rule number two is you know, there's, a, there's the concept of the smart contract that we talked about. And if you're going to buy into something, there's a concept of auditing just like you would audit a financial institution to you know see if their books are strong and they you know they have everything uh, in line there's a similar concept in smart contracts where they audit the code and they audit the the back ends of these systems to make sure third parties trusted third parties like certic you know, there's a couple other ones, tech rate. There's a couple other ones that are trusted third parties. They're, they're highly respected in the space and make sure that you have an audit, just like you would, if you were investing into a, a financial institution. So the audit is the second thing, make sure the code and everything that's behind the scenes is good. And then, and the third thing is make sure you believe in the project. If you're not going to be investing in one of these, you know, these big names like Ethereum or Bitcoin, make sure that you believe in the, in the project, because, you know, the more you believe in it, the less likelihood that that 
you know, you're not going to follow it and, and walk away from it for four or five months and come back to find that it's uh, you faster. You can get your money out, I guess is basically what right. I'm saying. So make sure you're interested in the project. You believe in the project. Again, if you're going to put your money into Bitcoin, you can kind of put it there and walk away. But if you're going to put your money into something that's brand new and you're, you know, risking it, make sure you're interested in the project and you'll, you'll follow it a little bit more. And if something starts to wobble, you can make a decision on pulling it out. But as, as far as everything else goes, you know, there are systems that are making it easy for you to get your fiat into the system. You know, Coinbase is really good. Crypto.com, Bank Social, uh, you can you can transfer fiat into those systems from, you know, just by downloading the apps. And so that's probably step one is to download one of those apps. And then, you know, all the other things I was saying after that. All right. So you've just listened in on a conversation that I've had with John Wingate from Bank Social. I hope you've enjoyed the conversation today. John's contact information is going to be in the show notes. Just check there for additional information. Today's tax tip about when to report cryptocurrency on your tax return is brought to you by our sponsor, Ceteris LLC. Ceteris provides tax preparation, planning, and resolution services to individuals and small businesses. Reporting cryptocurrency transactions on your tax return is similar to reporting a stock sale. Basically, you'll need your ledger and or transaction history to report crypto that was sold, sent, exchanged, received, or otherwise acquired during the tax year. Crypto that was purchased and held during the entire tax year is not reportable. As with any tax issue, contact your tax professional to help you navigate your own unique situation. And by the way, if you haven't seen Double Dutch Jump Rope, check it out on YouTube. Thank you for listening to Practical Tax Talk. Each episode will feature a tax topic with or without an interview, as well as actionable tips and strategies that you can implement to take control of and manage your tax situation. Practical Tax Talk is produced and hosted by me, Lovey Edwards. Remember to live life with intention and purpose.